What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve, Gigi, and Dr. Wes Hendricks, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as all sorts of terrible health misinformation. We got an awesome guest for you today, Dr. Dan Nemeth. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the, for the audience? You got it. So I uh, do interventional spine work. So I try to focus on conservative spine care with therapy, being a cornerstone. I do injections if need be, but really trying to avoid surgery for patients. That's awesome. So you're telling me that you're a doctor and you just, you don't really do a lot of surgeries? I do no surgeries. No surgeries whatsoever. No surgeries. (laughs) So I'm always curious about this. So you went, you're a DO or? MD. MD, okay. Yeah, I'm a physical medicine rehabilitation physician, so... We, our main trains in brain injury, strokes, uh, conservative musculoskeletal care, and I did a fellowship in spine care. Okay. So. Gotcha. So, um, how do you go about like, okay, you're, you're, you're going to school. You want to be a doctor. Did you always want to be a doctor, even from when you were little and like specifically the spine or like, give us a story of how that, you know. So I I want to be a vet. A vet? (laughs) You do like dogs. You do like dogs. That's true. But then as I got older, I went to engineering. I uh, found my way into biomedical engineering. I loved working with biomedical devices, but I didn't like being in a lab all day. I wanted to interact with people. So I figured a good marriage would be go to medical school. And I I wanted to do orthopedics initially, but I found PM&R recommendation from someone and fell in love with it. First rotation. Someone can come in and they can't walk and they may be walking out the door a month later. So just be able to have a, a big impact that quickly. Exactly. And what, what makes someone, so I'm just curious about this. What makes someone kind of go the non-surgical route, the, the surgical route? Was there like a, a specific reason that you feel like you did more PM&R? Like you've kind of gone all in on that because obviously we've had this conversation multiple times. We feel both feel like surgery sometimes a little over, utilized in some cases, you know, so just curious. And I wouldn't say there was one specific incident, but I mean, cause I really wanted to do surgery initially, but the more you get into it and the more that you see how non-surgical options, a lot of times have more favorable outcomes. Um, I really just start gravitating towards the non-surgical route. So, and I always think this is interesting. So for somebody who's just listening, right? So, why would you refer out for surgery? Like, what are your uh-huh. reasons that you like, all right, conservatively, I can't do this. And I know you can't, there's always not many blanket statements, but. But there are know. some definite surgical needs. Yeah. So yeah. someone comes in and they have lost control of their bowel and bladder. They're going to the ER, they're getting surgery. Yep. Yeah. I said that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. Someone, one. Yeah. Someone comes in and they're having progressive weakness. So you see them one day, we grade strength one through five. They come in with a four out of five. They come in the next visit. They have a two out of five. Well, they're likely on that. They're headed towards a surgical path. So 
if they're, for instance, maybe staying the same, still have, you know, foot drop or some sort of like we neurological we weakness and it, and it was plateauing or maybe even getting a little bit better. Would you say that you can conservatively? Times. Yeah. Yeah. So you would not recommend surgery even? Not right off the bat. Okay. Okay. It's only if it's progressively getting worse. Uh, and what's the timeline there? Like, okay, is it getting worse two or three weeks or like say it just gets worse for a week and, you know, maybe they did some increased activity and then started going back up. Like is the. Well, if I noticed that they had an acute weakness over a week or two, I would get aggressive really quick possibly with high dose anti-inflammatories, possibly steroid injection to get inflammation off these nerve roots. Mm -hmm. And if they're not responding quickly, they're off the surgery pretty quick. Um, cause you don't want to mess around and have permanent weakness. So there's no magical number that it's gotta be one to two or three weeks, but it, it's kind of a fluid situation. I yeah, guess you could yeah. say, okay. you know, how long have I always thought this? And I don't think there's any like specific data. Maybe you can just anecdotally tell me and, and Wes see what you've observed. How long would somebody have to have a nerve? Let's just call it impingement or let's just call it blockage, whatever you want to call it, would it take before that weakness typically becomes permanent? Because we get that a lot. It's like, I have this weakness. I need to go have surgery now. And I'm just like, well, it's staying the same, if not getting a little bit better. You know, I don't think there's this chance of permanent damage because X, Y, and Z, you know? And I don't think we have a magic number to that either. It's, it's, people can have compression for months. Um, but as long as hopefully we're seeing some improvement, mm -hmm we can hold the course because nerves heal nerves take months to heal. Um, but if we're not seeing any progression over, let's say three months, it, if there's no progression of strength, we might want to think about other options. Three months. You hear that? Like how many people yeah. will stick with conservative care in our, in me and Wes's world for three months? Like no one. It's yeah, <laughs> 0%. And I've gotten some people, but it's, it's really hard, right? Unless they're really educated. Like I've yeah. had some, um, I can't think of the name. Like guys who look at x-rays. Oh, I can't think of it. Radiologists. Radiologists. Radiologist. Great job. X-ray guys. <laughs> guys. Um, <laughs> and and he just understood everything. It was like, you know, as long as I'm staying the same, I'm not going to get surgery. And like, usually when they're highly educated, it's easy conversation. But if they're not, it's so hard to like, oh no. And then they'll go see an orthopedic sometimes. And then we'll have conflicting messages between me and the orthopedic. And unfortunately, I will lose that battle sometimes, you know? We all lose a battle every now and then. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so what else do we have? We've got the progressive weakness. We've got loss of bowel and bladder. Anything else? And then excruciating, unremitting pain that's not resolved with medicine, therapy, chiropractic care, injections, and their just quality of life is not there. Even if they have 505 strength, it might be time to consider other options. Okay. That's kind of a longer course, maybe not a longer course one, but not like the loss of bowel, bladder, Correct. like cut or clean, or it's like out the door right now, surgery Correct. 10 minutes ago. Correct. And it's really just those top three things as far as those you're are the concerned. major things that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. that's usually, would you say there's anything else that we would consider red flags? I mean, those, those are the top three for me, even the pain, um, you know, I'll usually send them out to somebody like you anyway first if we get some of those red flags. And then, yeah, those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, so seriously, so how did you end up just wanting to be like bioengineering? Like you always wanted to do healthcare even before that? 
like take me even further back. Further back was the veterinary. Right. That's cool. Like you as as a kid, even like you were thinking that was that was caring for vets. That's what I wanted to do as a middle school kid, uh-huh. early high school. But then I don't know what it was. I got pushed into engineering just because of working on mechanical equipment. I don't know what it was, but um, once I realized I, I wanted to interact with people, that's what drew me right back into the medical kind of field. Um, and it was my first rotation PMNR just seeing the impact you can have on people. Right. And did you have like one specific mentor you said that kind of like led you in that direction? Well, it was just a recommendation to check it out from some, from a friend. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then uh, once I checked it out, I was thoroughly impressed with what a physiatrist or PMR doctor can, is capable of. Right. What would you say is like the best tool in your tool belt? Like what's something that you just like, you know, Maybe for, for me, it's like, okay, dry needling does a bunch of good things. Or like, I really like squatting with people or whatever. Like, what's kind of your like go-to if someone kind of comes in with just general? My go-to is always get them into early physical therapy. Early. Go-to. Um, I like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And if they if they don't have any other contraindications, get them on an NSAID. Um and then only if they're not progressing or getting better from that point, then I get an MRI. Usually about three weeks in if they're not progressing, MRI just to see what's going on. Yep. And if they're still not progressing, I'll talk about injections. This is always something I've wanted to ask some of the docs, and it's 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 fairly new in the field. And I talk about it with my PT, me and Wes talk about it as far as like pain science and like some of these people who are kind of in chronic pain and like what to do with them. Like say they go into, you know, we've ruled out these three red fat flags. They've done physical therapy. They've done multiple things. Maybe you've done multiple injections. Like, is there a time that you like refer out to somebody who's like maybe even a psychologist or something like that, or just like, or this person's just not a good fit. Like, Hey, I think there's something else going on. It's non physiological at this point. It's more psychological. Definitely, the brain can play a huge role on, on pain science. Um, and if I'm seeing, if I'm not seeing any physiological reason for their pain, I might suggest that we get into a psychologist or, or even sometimes uh, groups where MEOC is a new program where they're getting people off opiates and everything, and it's kind of a multi-structure uh, approach with therapy, uh, psychologist past patients and they discuss ways of coping with pain, um, which is a huge thing we all need to learn, I think, because we all have pain every now and then. It's yep. just how do we deal with it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we spend, Google it. Yeah. We <laughs> Google our symptoms. Oh, God. I mean, just the education factor <laughs> of what we started talking about with our patients as far as, like, pain being more, more of a warning signal than it is an actual, like, you know, damage to actual tissue, like the, the idea of nociception being that warning signal as opposed to actual damage. Like explaining that stuff is sometimes really hard, you know, and sometimes that can be the cure for some of the people. Like just explaining some of those things to them can get them out of pain more so than just actual rehab or physical therapy or chiropractic care or anything. It's kind of like shocking to me. I feel like it plays a way bigger role than I thought in 10 years of practice, like I'm just starting to realize how big a role it actually kind of, you know, 
Is that something you talk about? Because I know you spend a ton of time with your patients too. You know, like what's your average? Like if someone comes in for an eval, how long do you spend with them? We we booked them for thirty minutes, but it seems like I spent forty five. Yeah, or Ooh, more. I've heard that, and I love that because we spend a ton of time. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, I get behind a lot. We get behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got that quota to meet, man. That's what sucks. You know, like you know, we we talk about a lot. Um, you know, we're friends outside of just healthcare world, and we talk a lot about like the benefits of cash pay and like insurance pay and like how you would love to maybe be on the other side someday and, and that's part going of, on that line. Right. As much as you can, right? I'd like to put my toes in that water a little bit. I, I want to help you. Trust me, I want to help you because there needs to be more of us for sure. Because you want to spend those 45 minutes and not feel guilty about it. Also oh. be worth your time, right? Right. So what kind of stuff are you doing in that 45 minutes? Like what takes you so long? Because I'm curious what's the difference maker. Can a doctor even get something done? What's the average visit? Like seven minutes? Seven to eight minutes. Seven follow-up appointment. And all of my follow-ups are scheduled for 15 minimum. Okay. Um, So, one, you're getting at least a good feel of the patient. Yeah. Because there sometimes are other confounding factors, whether or not they're depressed. Not that I'm a psychiatrist, I'm diagnosing depression on a first visit, but you want to get a good feel for the patient. So you're like talking to them, have a conversation with them? Briefly. And then you dive into the history, the things that we all learn, history and physical. Put your mm-hmm. hands on the patient, talk to the patient. Um, I feel like a lot of doctors don't even put hands on patients half the times, especially orthopedics. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy to me. You know, that's like, part of the It's part of the it's, healthcare. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. You'll find amazing things if you actually put your hands on patients. Wow. <laughs> their reflux is out. They're, they're weak. Right. Um, then the x-ray. So some of that time they're off getting an x-ray, you know come back I review the x-ray with them put it up on the screen view it in person so they understand it and pictures worth a thousand words so okay. so what are you looking for when you when you uh, take that x-ray? like what's the reason behind taking that extra like what would be a certain case so anyone basically over 50 years old with back pain I'll just take a extra oh, that makes sense. yeah that, that makes total look. sense over 50 yeah well, you gotta rule out things too, yeah right? like it's of part of the right? um, and anyone with ridiculous symptoms is getting an x-ray okay um, if it's a younger patient and it's axial neck or back pain, I may just try physical therapy and sits first. And if they're not getting better, bring back to three, two to three weeks later and get an x-ray. Okay. Um, x-rays, best thing I'm looking at is structural stability. I love dynamic x-rays, flexion extension, making sure everything's stable. Yeah. Um, what kind of stuff would you see if it was unstable? Like I'm just not... I am no radiologist. I know that word now. So. Flexion, <laughs> extension, you're going to see a translation of, so one bone on top of another bone moving forwards and backwards. If it's moving excessively, it's unstable. That could be another indication for surgery. It's very rare. Um, and it's So not, that's like a spondylolisthesis? Spondylolisthesis. I, I, I should know this stuff. Yes. I think I do. Just making sure. <laughs> and, it, and it's not that that's definitely what I'm looking for, but if, if there's a small little slip, Maybe that's going to be leading to the fact that they're they're having excessive disc degeneration to set the joints in the backside of the spine if they're having arthritis there because one bone's sliding forwards on another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and always weight-bearing with the spine to look at disc height. Okay. So um, scoliosis you can see pretty easily on x-ray as well. Gotcha. So it just kind of helps you it helps. make that magnifying glass maybe a little small. Piece of a p- puzzle. Piece small. of the puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle. You're telling me you're not just, you're not just your image because most people think that. Oh, they love to say it. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I've got this degenerative disc disease. Like they basically, it's like they have the common cold, you right. know, like it's something you can contract. Um, All right. So imaging then what? Yeah. So imaging, reviewing the imaging and developing the plan with the patient and really just making sure to answer questions too, that yeah, they're yeah. not walking out the door. What did we just, what yeah, happened? Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing. I Eight minutes, takes eight minutes for a doctor to interrupt the patient or something like that. It was like three. I reposted it on Facebook. Like before, they, they made it seem kind of long. Yeah. I they, feel like I interrupt my patients after. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a typical doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, just like they can even ask questions, right. Or getting them answered. I don't know how many times I've had patients come to me. Like, you know, I didn't, they just told me X, Y, and Z gave me a prescription and I left. Didn't answer one of my questions, which I just think is crazy. It's all about that RVU sometimes. Right, right. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is, right? So was that it? Basically going through That's pretty the much history, an office, the... is it? Yeah. Um, and then with follow-ups, you know, I want to see are they getting better with conservative care. If they're not, then we'll talk about an MRI. I really want to see what, if there's a disc involved. Is there stenosis? What's leading to their symptoms? In a little more detail. Another piece of the puzzle. Okay. So what? What about your physical exam? Like you said, reflexes. You said, do you like do sensation testing? Do you do any kind of movement testing? Like specifically, like you're probably not looking at a squat or like, you know, Wes looks at everybody's handstand just to make sure that they're. <laughs> <laughs> but what kind, of, do you, what kind of physical exam stuff do you do? So I want to see range of motion in the spine. I want to see strength, sensation, reflexes, a good neurological exam. Okay. Uh, special tests. Although they're not exact, but straight leg raises, yeah. things to look for SI joint dysfunction, like favors, and um, just a really good thorough physical exam. How do you test range of motion with spine? Like you doing like toe touches and like, and then what would you consider normal? So, and it's you know a lot of people you'll see on these uh, physical exams for the spine, they'll say thirty degrees, forty degrees. I, I basically judge it fingertips, how far down their legs are they doing? Fingertips to the knees, fingertips. That's exactly what I do. I'd rather do landmark because 30 degrees is so, we know that the reliability of those range of motion from provider to provider is. I don't know what those degrees are. Four. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's a goniometer, right? Yeah, what's a goniometer? (laughs) So it's rudimentary, I guess, but you're you're getting a good feel. And once you got a document for that patient, you can actually see if they're improving over time as well. Um, neck, you got a lot more degrees of motion there with Mm -hmm. side bending rotation. So uh, there's a little more to comment on, I guess. Yeah. And so what do you think is normal? Like is, do, can most people just like straight up, just put their palms on the floor and just hang out there? Not the most people, I would say. (laughs) What percentage of people do you think can do that? that walk into your office. I'd say less than 1%. Oh my God. Less than 1%. I can do it. Can you do it? Yeah, of course I can do it. Don't, oh man, Wes can basically kiss his ankles. <laughs> I'm working on it. He's got me on this new kick. I saw this exercise. Like, I saw this exercise. He saw it. I love him. Do it every day now. I'm getting slowly getting better. Slowly getting better. But yeah, no, I mean, I could put my palms on the floor, but I've been kind of slacking lately. I see a different patient population too. A lot of Medicare. So that yeah. So active. yeah, it's a little different. Not as active. Right. They're not deadlifting on a regular basis, no. <laughs> but should like, don't you agree that maybe that some of these people should be able to do things like that and probably their back pain would be a little bit better if they could touch their toes? 
flexibility and strength, I definitely think they're huge. <laughs> Who would have thought? Right. Just, yeah. And and that kind of leads to my next point. Like, This is something I try to talk about with my patients a bunch, and I think it's what people need to know. Like the incidence of low back pain is pretty high, right? Like I forgot what it is. Like over 80% of people, maybe more than that, will deal with it at some point in their life. And a lot of it will get better on its own. Like what percentage of back pain do you think is typically like a serious situation? Again, we talked about the red flags, but like just to kind of drive home that point, like because when someone's in that really bad back pain, their back goes quotation marks out, right? Which we want to get into what that means. Um you know, they're like, they're freaking out, right? They're thinking, oh crap, I'm going to need surgery. My life is over, blah, blah, blah. Like what percentage do you think is something that's really serious? Like that? I would say a very low percentage is super serious where you have to go for surgery. Right. The only cases I'm saying right to surgery are the ones we discussed. Yeah. And a vast majority, if we just step back and do conservative care. In fact, a lot of them, if we do nothing, <laughs> man do i love you said that like i didn't want to say that but like you do it's the true. research yeah yeah it's, it's called true. yeah it's regression to the mean like the body the body will go back to its normal yeah. state of function very quickly and that doesn't like, happen with everyone that's why yeah. we're all here in this yeah. field and, mm-hmm. um, and even if it's just education to let people know that give it a little time here's things to look out for call our office for this yeah yeah, yeah. and that's where you get into some troublesome stuff which you know i'm not going to nerd out on this stuff too much, but where patients can come into a doctor's office or a Cairo's office or a PT office and then be told that it's something serious. Hey, your back is going to go out every two weeks. You need adjustments. Hey, your glutes or abs are really weak. We need to do more sit-ups and crunches. Like, And then all of a sudden somebody thinks that they're broken and they need to be fixed when in reality... You could just be walking and you could probably get better anyway. And that's the really nasty part, I think, of back pain. Because, like, part of it, too, is, like, a PT wants to, or a chiro or a doctor want to find somebody wrong because we want to fix people. Like, that's who we are. It's really hard to step back and say, maybe you just need to leave my office and go live your life and you'll be fine. I've never said that. But yeah, I, really? I you've never said that? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty rare. Well, like, if I've had someone come in with, like, an acute, like, episode of low back pain, like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll tell them, like, I'm going to treat you, I'll do something here, whatever I'm going to do. Um, I'll, I'll tell them at the end, like, you know, more than likely, you know, even if we didn't treat you today, you know, you come back next week or in four days, it's going to feel better, even if we did nothing. Like, as long as you don't do ABC, that makes it worse. Like, sure. you know, the, whatever the things that are pissing it off, don't do it. That's probably better than a lot of times, like, you can make it worse by treating it, honestly. That's another thing, too. Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, someone comes in with a cute low back pain. I'm not adjusting their load. Like I'm not going to put someone in flexion and rotation, and that's it's terrible. Ter- ter- <laughs> yes, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. I don't know where this concept. Was. That's a whole other tangent. Yeah, yeah. But I, I tell people that all the time. I feel like. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, sometimes it just we have to do less, right? Just, I mean, I have said those words, just maybe not in that kind of way. I'm like, hey, this is probably going to get better on its own. Hey, you should probably just. Um, modulate your activity right now. You're better beating around the bush. Yeah, don't CrossFit. Maybe a little more of a salesman. I agree. Like, and I tell them, hey, there's still things we can work on here, and I just focus on those things. But like, hey, your back pain's gonna go away. You'll be fine. Here's ways we can maybe accelerate the process with. That's good. I'm gonna use that. Accelerate the process. 
Should yeah. come back. It may or may not work. I don't know. You know, but come back three times this week, <laughs> and we can accelerate your process. I love it. We get called out on here. I love it. So good. Well, no, that's. I mean, that's just the kind of stuff that I feel like in healthcare needs to change. But it's like a hard, like that's a hard message. And there's just not many people. Like, how many docs do you think are doing stuff that you're doing? Like, do you are there many people similar to you? Because I don't know them. <laughs> you're like a unicorn too. Uh, what gave it away? Um, I don't think there's very many other physicians that, that take a step back all the time. Oh, you need an injection. Let's say that you've done your home exercise program, get that MRI today and let's get that injection for you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, cause they want to help. They want to step in. Yeah. Um, and so why, what, what makes you different? Where did you go into this? road like Wes is kind of his reasonings I have mine but like where did you there's a fork at some point I'm sure so I can go left or I can go right I was always more conservative I was not as conservative as I am now until I did my fellowship the guy that trained me he was in my opinion fantastic he was a unicorn and his patients got better and he we didn't always see eye to eye but he had a great philosophy for spine care and that kind of opened my eyes uh, Chris, Chris Houston, Chris Houston. Okay. Um, but he was fantastic. And what was that philosophy? What was, what would you say is, it was different about that? It was not putting a needle in everyone. It was not sending everyone for an MRI. It wasn't sending everyone to a surgeon. It was taking a step back sometimes. Um, there's in diagnostic injections. I may put a needle in someone sometimes, but I'm not putting a steroid. I want an answer. Is this really your back? Is this more piriformis? Is this more catastrophizing or pain science? Yeah. And if I inject lidocaine in and I could check you within 15 minutes, if it's your spine, you should have almost complete relief if it's a nerve root or if it's a facet joint. So I can get really good diagnostic feedback on that. Yeah. I've heard a few of the patients that I've sent you have said that. Like, hey, he didn't inject me today. He did this. Test injection. Right, a test injection, and then he told me if that works, then I'm going to come back. And is that like a long-lasting relief, like any, or it's just it's like getting a Novocaine shot? Um, and I give them a pain diary, and I want to make sure that their the pain relief mimics what lidocaine or bupivacaine or whatever I'm injecting should last mm-hmm. um, to make sure we're getting a really good result. Um, and nothing's perfect, obviously, but hopefully we can avoid repetitive steroid injections and doing three injections and getting to surgery when they never should have gone down that path. So that's the hardest thing about healthcare is when I think about it, it's just, we never have this exact answer. It's not like a car has a flat tire. You put a new tire on, like everything's about making the most educated answer that you can't because it's just, it's never going to be perfect. And that's kind of the hard thing to tell patients. It's a hard thing sometimes in my own brain because I just want to have the right answer when it's like literally you know, I could think it's the wrong answer and it could get somebody better sometimes. You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. And I well, think that's why people get better when you do the wrong stuff or when people do the wrong stuff. Yeah. You know, or nothing. Yeah. Or nothing. <laughs> you know, I you like, can... or nothing, but nothing's better. I mean, that's how we learn a lot of things in healthcare. Like with uh, rotator cuff surgeries, we used to mobilize patients a lot, put them in slings for extended periods of time. And then we found out the people who didn't follow those protocols after rotator cuff surgeries got a lot better because they moved earlier and their tendons became stronger and they had better 
long-term outcomes. You know what I mean? And so like, it's just, you know, that's, that's just, wasn't there something with my mind. meniscus injuries? It was earlier mobilization or something very, very similar. You but, probably know much better than me, but now they're saying meniscus surgeries are in most cases, no more effective than doing nothing in the long term. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've been doing meniscus surgeries for how long? I mean, I've, right. I've recommended, you know, people to get meniscus surgeries in the past. And now I, would, I don't anymore. And I've, I know one or two surgeons, Dr. Geyer was on here too. Like he doesn't do it anymore. I mean, if it's a bucket handle tear and it can't flex and it's stuck. Yeah. But otherwise, let yeah, let it heal. Like live with it. It's going to be asymptomatic. Yeah. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. And it's more and more. That's the cool part. More and more of that is happening. Like I feel like there's more people like you than there probably were. Like we hit the inflection point where it's like, man, we're just going to throw everybody into surgery. And now it's finally like, huh, maybe we're doing too many of these things. <laughs> maybe we should do a little bit less. And people are starting to, to educate themselves and, right. and, you know, figure this stuff out a little bit more. Yeah. That's cool stuff. All right. Um, what our favorite question. Can I prep you on this one? Uh-oh. Yeah. Here we go. So, yeah. So in your view of health for yourself, for your patients, whatever, what is your definition of a healthy person? And again, we ask everybody this. I love the answers. There's no wrong or right answer. So we're probably all wrong. That's probably are all wrong. <laughs> I've had the worst one. I've yeah, like. far you, Man, you want that? We'll do interview again. Like maybe okay. episode 100. Episode one, we're on that long here. Yeah, maybe. Oh, can you, can you make it? Maybe. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a great definition on a healthy person. Okay. That's okay. So I think it's more of, are you doing, you're trying to do the right things. You have, you're happy. You're, you're healthy as far as you're not destroying your body. Um, you're trying to do the majority of recommended. You're not eating fats. You're not an alcoholic. You're not, you're not overdoing things. Right. Middle of the road. I gotcha. Yeah. So it's more like, like there's people that are obviously out there and they're just like drink every night, eat all the crappy food they want, don't exercise. And it's not necessarily the person who's, who looks the healthiest and follows all those guidelines, but at least they have the mindset of, I'm trying to minimize my alcohol consumption. We're both drinking a beer right now, by the way. We're trying to eat as healthy as possible, trying to exercise. And at least we're on that right track. And hopefully our happiness is in line with that because nobody's perfect right, right? track like, you're, yeah. you gotta be on the right track and if you overdo things if you go out and you're uh, you're running 100 miles a day i don't think that's a healthy person sure i think you're destroying your body yeah so moderation moderation perfect good answer i like it uh well how about this like last question i'll do my little spitfire after this like what do you do to stay healthy uh, that's that's bad. That's bad. We're gonna, have, we're gonna have to edit this later. <laughs> <laughs> you must do something, right? You're like, I know that you do manual labor on your own. I know that you do sailing. I know that you probably. I'm a very active person. Yeah. But I'm not out there. Not everyone needs to do jogging or yeah. riding a bike. I don't schedule exercise, so I can be viewed as an unhealthy person by many definition. But I disagree. But I'm fine. very yeah. active. Um, so I guess that's you built. I, I mean, to build a whole darn little back patio, I feel like that's way harder than lifting blocks, lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Generally active person. I don't think there's a lot of that. Like there's people who've 
literally lived their 90s and 100s and been healthy, it's the person that's completely sedentary that's typically going to get into trouble. So, so healthy yeah. people are not sedentary, period. Right. right. <laughs> yes, that, that'd be an easy definition right there. Get off the couch. <laughs> All right, Spitfire, you ready? Just first thing that comes to mind with all these. They're not, they're not bad, I promise. Uh, what are you the best at? I'm the best at, I think, taking a step back and thinking through a problem. I like it. What do you suck at? Besides scheduling times to exercise. <laughs> I am awful at time management. Fair I'm enough. late to everything. Join the club. It's all good, man. <laughs> what is the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health? If you give like your patients or people that you see like, hey, here's the one thing to do. Get off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's easy. What is your walkout song? Oh, Jesus. I don't think that's a song. I don't think it is either. <laughs> um, I'm bad with music. Let's see here. <laughs> uh, Do you not listen to music in no, your car? No. Yeah. It's all pop stuff, though. That's okay. It's the top, I love Miley Cyrus. Yes. Top one. Party in the USA would be my walkout song oh, today. Today, I said, like, you already had your walkout song. I don't know what it was. Oh, damn. It feels good to be a gangster. That's a good one. But I can't steal yours. Sorry. You cannot. Let's do a wild thing. That's like good. it. There you go. That's really good. That always reminds me of the movie Major League. Yes. Everybody, young, Everybody old enough in this room. This. <laughs> All three of them. What's your favorite cartoon? DuckTales. Ooh, wow. The new version or the, the old, old version? version. Old the new version. versions, really good too, just by the way. Yeah. You just had a baby. You'll be watching cartoons soon. <laughs> if you weren't a healthcare professional... What would you be? I'd be a, a boat pilot in the Charleston Harbor. A boat pilot? Yeah, I'd be driving those big ships into the Charleston Harbor. Is that what you call it, a boat pilot? Yeah. I've never even heard that. Makes sense. You're piloting. I feel it was a like boat. a it was like a tow boat, right? Is it like towing? Well, they put there's a there's like a Charleston Pilot Association. I'm probably messing this all up, but they go they go out to the channel out right outside the uh, breakers and they bring those ships in. So there's ships from China. There's a Charleston captain on board yeah. and they drive them in. That's awesome. I've seen it do that. It's pretty freaking yeah. amazing. Cause they know where the channels are and they're basically yeah. just leading the big old freight, you know, the huge yeah. tank freight tankers, whatever. I was told to pass the test. They have to fill in every marker in the Charleston Harbor blank chart. So they have to know their stuff around here. Oh wow. Yeah. I had a friend and I think her husband did that and they also work like firemen, it's like three days on, four days off. Like it's so, just yeah. not, that would not be ideal. I'm too much of a creature <laughs> of habit. Could you imagine just working three days in a row, like nonstop and then being done for four days? I think that'd be awesome. Would you thrive in that situation? No. No? You would like it? I'd love it. Why? I don't know. Because you get three days off. You get your projects done. I already have three days off. <laughs> <laughs> Wes perpetually has three days off. I think I have like five days off. Since the beginning of time. Um, what's the last TV show you watched? Uh, last night we watched, um, this isn't, it, the show before that was The Fosters. 
What's that? Uh, you don't don't get into it. Yeah. My wife was watching it. It's, about, a, it's like a foster family. It's foster family, and they they adopt basically like five kids and live under one roof. It's kind of like Full House, but yeah. more yeah. politically correct for for today's, today's, today's yes. world. Yeah, I oh, guess. Yeah. Well, not, I guess Full House wasn't politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's just more interesting nowadays. Fair enough. Uh, last book you read? Medical book. An anatomy book. <laughs> Coding, right? Coding 101. Yeah. Fair enough. Any recommendations for people? Like as far as to like find out more about you, as far as their healthcare or back pain, like places they should go that you think, besides physical therapists, which I love to hear. But. <laughs> I think talking to any conservative healthcare professional, whether it's a chiropractor, physical therapist, um, get out there and stay informed. If something sounds fishy, go get a second opinion. Yeah. And like, and I think it's really good point that like, Hey, say you saw an orthopedic surgeon, it never hurts to go find physical medicine, a PM and R doc. Cause those are everywhere and they're typically non-surgical, right? Correct. They're not typically just pain management. There's usually Correct. ones like you, they're standalone doing diagnostic stuff, give like giving people a different option than, Hey, surgery is not your only option. Like that's just the bottom line. That's the one thing I wanted people to kind of take away from our conversation is that there's other routes, even if you've heard from multiple other healthcare professionals, that maybe that's your only option. I never want to say it's, you should take it off the table, but yeah. it's yeah. never, it's rarely your first option. Right. Should be by far the last. Just like we said, if you got bowel bladder, bowel bladder issues. Go to the ER. Go to the ER. <laughs> maybe get surgery. Pain that's like 10 out of 10, doesn't go away. It's excruciating, affecting your actual quality of life. What was the other one? And progressive weakness. Progressive weakness. Over a three-month period. Not a week, not two days. Three months is a long time. Three months is a long time. So, you know. That's a long time. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Most of us want to get better in a week, in two weeks, in a month, let alone three months. So, give it time. Exactly. Cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.